This is Celebration Sunday, and we wanted to just take a minute and just kind of celebrate what God's done. Not just in Big Rich, we've done that the past few years, but we also want to, it's been a weird year, right? I mean, it's been a weird year. I mean, it's been a couple of, we don't talk about COVID kind of thing, but we, it's been a couple years since COVID, and we're still kind of just dealing with some of the repercussions of that. Um, and then... Or if you're if you're not aware, if you're if it's your first time visiting us or something like that, or you haven't been here that long, um, our lead pastor for, for 26 years uh, was able to. God called him to another church, and we're. we're uh, happy that, that God's moving in his life and, and thrilled for that other church, but we're a little sad. Uh, we can state that out loud. Um, and what we wanted to do is just, I want to just take a minute and just kind of show you some of the numbers of the things that God has done through this church throughout the course of 2022. And so it's going to look like a, a lot of numbers and that's okay because every person counts. So we count every person kind of thing. How does that sound? So uh, go ahead and hit that next slide for me there. And I'm going to get out of the way so that you can see it. Here it is. All right, so we had um, 337 people in person, weekly average attendance, 57 kids, 26 students, and over 100 people watching the live stream every single week. That's awesome. That, that, that number of people, even in the midst of everything that's going on, are continuing to connect with us as a church. Can you hit the next one for me? We've got 162 people who serve this congregation at least once a month. 162 people serving at least once a month, and average weekly giving is over $23,000. Thank you so much for your faithfulness, for how you give, not just financially, but of your time and of your talents as well. We've had over 219 first-time guests. That's not a number that we normally talk about a lot, but every single person that shows up here for the very first time is trusting us. Trusting us not just with their hour, but with their heart and with their soul. And so we, are, we take that very seriously. So thank you if it's your first time or, or maybe you're, you're relatively new to us. Thank you for joining us. It's a big deal to us. We've actually, and we, I need you to clap for this. We're celebrating 26 baptisms so far this year. And I know we've got three. Do we have four or is it three, Glory? We know about three. There might be, one might sneak in on me, but that's okay. It's going to be great. So 29 to 30 baptisms for this year. That's awesome. I, I, we've said this before. Not a lot of churches can show those kind of baptism numbers of churches our size. It's a big deal. And the reason why this happens, obviously, is because God works in the hearts of people. But you invite them. You help them get here feel comfortable, get into a life group, find a place to serve. You are the glue that holds all of that together. And then God moves in their heart, moves in their soul, and allows them to grow close to him. So thank you for what you do. Um, in the life group, so there's, we've got 22 people who have joined us for a life group for the very first time. That's, that, that doesn't sound like a large number, but for our church and for our, our stability and who we are, that's a large number. Uh, 13, we have 13 different on-campus groups of, for all the different ages. They, they meet at 8.15, 9.30, 10.45. If you're not yet in a life group, I'm telling you, we got one for you. It's just a matter of matching up the time with, with your age or, or stage or just if you're not interested in age or stage, you just want to hang out with people, we've got lots of groups for you. All right, and then there are also... Six off-campus life groups that meet, they meet different Sunday nights, Sunday afternoons, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights. Again, if you're looking for a group and Sunday morning's not your time, we've got something for you. Is there another one? I don't remember if that was the last one. Oh, yes, my favorite. Um, so every month we try to do a Love Jacks project. So the idea here is, is that if our, it, let's just be honest, our culture isn't interested in the church 
until the church is interested in them. So what that means is that we have to be very intentional about reaching out into our community, not necessarily, yes, we pray and yes, we go to the ends of the world and, and to different countries and all that, but what's critically important for us is that God has placed us in this community. And because God has placed us in this community, we have a responsibility for this community. And so that's why we do Love Jacks projects. And we've done 15 different Love Jacks projects. Most, I'm looking across the room, almost every one of you have participated in at least one of those throughout the year. So thank you so much for what you have done and how you have invested. On the social media side, social media is what I consider our new the front door that the first time people usually come in contact with us is because of social media. After you've invited someone to church, what they do is they pop over to social media or the website and they try to figure out if we're weird or not. <laughs> because if we're weird, they ain't coming, right? <laughs> and so our social media, and Kelsey Medlin also uh, helps manage our social media presence. And so we've got, that continues to grow. Um, in, in an era where things continue, sometimes decline or stay stagnant, our social media presence and how we connect with people continues to grow and we continue to see fruit from that. So thank you so much for how you invite people in person and also on social media. So whenever you check in and say, hey, I was at church today, that makes a difference in the lives of people because people see you and they know you and they know that you wouldn't do something that was weird or awkward or anything like that. And so that's why they come and they hang out with us. So thank you so much much and we're going to praise God. Just go ahead and give God a hand for everything he's done all year long. Well, we are going to continue in a series um, called Hope for Everyone. Um, this week, what we're going to talk about specifically is fear. And so I don't want to necessarily stand up here and jump up and down and shout and all that kind of stuff. What I'd like to do is just kind of, can we, can we just talk? Would that be okay? Can we just kind of just talk about this for a minute? Because fear and uncertainty is something that we all deal with. It's something that we all have to struggle with at some point in time or another. I've got a, a former pastor that I love dearly that would always say that either you have, you're in the middle of a storm right now, or you've just come out of a storm, or you're about to head into a storm. So what we're going to talk about today can help you in the midst of your storm, can help you as you come out of a storm. And if you're not yet in a storm, then this could put some tools in your toolbox to help you deal with that storm that's coming. We're also kind of, obviously, it's the first week of December, and if you haven't started your, now, e even for the, for the most grinchy of people, now it's officially time to start celebrating Christmas, right? I mean, once you get to December, the tree is up, the music is playing, you've already heard Mariah Carey screech out 17 times and all that kind of stuff. And so naturally in the church, we focus in on a baby that was born. And so we're going to do that a little bit today. We're going to focus in on Jesus' father, earthly father, Joseph. Because sometimes we pass over him because we spend so much time with Mary. And that's not a bad thing. Mary was an incredible, incredible woman, devout and righteous and worth every moment we spend on her. But the Bible tells us that Joseph was a righteous man too. So it's only fair that we deal with him a little bit in what we're talking about this morning. 
So if you don't mind, uh, before I read into this, jump into the scriptures, I'm going to pray. If, you're, if you've got a Bible or Bible device, I'm going to be in the book of Matthew, the very first chapter at the bottom of the uh, chapter there, starting in verse 18. But let me pray for us real quick as we get into this message. Heavenly Father, we come to this moment and we have worshipped, we have heard, we have celebrated, and now God, it's time to do business with you because you want to do business with us. So we take the next few minutes and we just kind of give them to you, knowing that this isn't our story, but your story, and how you've stepped into our story. So God, I pray that you will take my weak words, mix them with your strong spirit, and that you will do something that will help even the skeptic that's sitting in this room today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, if you are that skeptic that's sitting in the room and somebody drug you in, <laughs> welcome. Glad you're here. What we're going to talk about today will absolutely apply to you. Now, if you're a Christian and have been one for a long time, this will apply to you as well. But you'll also know something that that non-Christian skeptic doesn't, where it comes from. Where you get the power to be able to deal with uncertainty and the fear that that brings. Let's jump into this passage and you'll understand what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to pick this up in verse 18. This should sound familiar to most of you. And this is, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement Quietly, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And there's a kind of an insert here. The author narrates just a little bit. It says, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. And he quotes, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The narrator continues the story. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph Named him Jesus. All right, do me a favor. Put yourself in the mind of Joseph just for a minute. If you're a parent or have been a parent, you understand what it feels like. There's a new baby on the way. There's equal parts excitement, equal parts uncertainty, equal parts fear, especially for that first child, right? I mean, you don't even know how this is supposed to work. You don't know the whole baby thing. Especially if you're a guy, you didn't, do, you didn't like babysit as a, as a kid or anything like that. So there's like nothing to go off of. You're just hoping that she knows what she's doing and you're just going to kind of be along for the ride, right? But put yourself in Joseph's shoes in first century Israel. This woman that you're engaged to, an engagement at that time was much more serious than an engagement would be now. See, a betrothal not just involved two people that loved each other, but two families that were contracting and conducting a business transaction as well. 
You see, the, the, the bride, her family paid a dowry to the husband's family. The husband was in the process of actually using that money to build a house that he and his new bride would live in. They would take the family compound and subdivide it a little bit and be building. So Joseph is literally building a house while he's trying to get prepared and, and he's watching Mary and taking care of her and loving on her. And he's trying to run his business as well. We know from Luke that he's a carpenter. And so he's got a lot of things going on in his mind. And then one night after work, Joseph's tired and he goes home. Mary comes over. She says, Joseph, I got something to tell you. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this. I'm pregnant. And Joseph says, excuse me, what? Joseph is no dummy. He knows how babies are made. He also knows what he hasn't been doing with Mary. So there's a million questions that flow through Joseph's mind all at the same time. Questions like, did Mary cheat on me? And being a guy, this is the, another question that we ask. Did I do something wrong? Is the relationship over? And this is a question that only a first century Jewish man would ask. What do I do with Mary? You see, in Numbers chapter 5 and Deuteronomy chapter 22, there was an understanding of what was supposed to happen in Jewish society whenever a betrothed man or, or, or even a married man, whenever somebody was unfaithful in the relationship. The penalty could go as high as death. So Joseph has got some really hard questions to ask. What do I do now? The plan that we had it's ruined. Everything that I was planning on doing, none of that is on the table anymore. The way Deuteronomy talks about it is just that Mary could literally be stoned to death at her father's doorstep if Joseph, Joseph says the word. This is a big deal. And so Joseph is visited by an angel of the Lord. And we'll get into that in a minute. And what was probably supposed to be helpful, <laughs> I don't know if it was, because a couple other questions pop up as well. Like, what if it's all true? How do you parent the long-promised Messiah. <laughs> I don't know how to parent a normal kid. You're telling me the most important baby in the history of my people is my responsibility? What am I supposed to do with that? So what does Joseph do? His world is shattered. His plans out the window. You may have had plans at one point in time. You know, those life plans, 
those images, those visions that you have of what life should look like, what life should be like, and something changes. That job opportunity that you were promised, that job opportunity that you've had, that you've kept and you've worked really hard, and they tell you, you know what? We're going to go in a different direction. Maybe there was that baby for you. It was your first. And you loved that baby. And it was growing inside of you. And you did the, you did the morning sickness thing. You, did the, you, you started making up for the nursery. And then you feel a pain at one point. You go to the doctor. And they say, I am so sorry you lost that baby. What do you do? What happens next? Your husband of 25 years looks you in the eye and says, I don't think I love you anymore. And walks out the door. And you are left with your children and so many questions that nobody can answer. What do you do? Let's see if Joseph can give us some examples of what we can do. First thing he does is he stops and he considers. Matthew 1 verse 20 says, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. As he considered this. Now for me, what happens to me, <laughs> I, I usually want to act without thinking. I usually want to react. I usually want to get mad and upset. But what Joseph does is different than that. He stops and he considers and he thinks. Here's the takeaway. You may want to write this down. Don't make a forever decision based on a temporary feeling or emotion. I'm going to repeat that. Don't make a forever decision based on a temporary feeling or emotion. Your feelings and emotions, while real and true to you, are not the final word and the final say. And you should not make a forever decision that you may regret down the line based off of a temporary feeling or emotion. Joseph doesn't do that. He stops and he thinks and he considers. And then he does something else. He listens for God. Same verse. As he considered this, as Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And Joseph is like, I don't think that helps. <laughs> but he stops and he listens for God. Write this down. God doesn't always solve your problems. Sometimes he complicates your life. I've been married for over 25 years now, and I love my wife dearly with every fiber of my being. But we would both agree we're a complication to each other. If you've been married for any length of time, you understand what that looks like, right? You sit down for dinner, one person wants spaghetti and the other one person wants fish. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're having an argument over whether we're having spaghetti or fish. And it's like, this is ridiculous. What are we talking about? But at the same time, you're looking at this other person like they're, they're an alien because how could you want fish? 
Your kids are a complication in your life, aren't they? You love them dearly. You take a bullet from them. But whenever that two-year-old comes up to you and says, uh-uh, <laughs> it gets complicated real quick. Because you want to go flush them in the toilet. You can't. That's really, really frowned upon. <laughs> but you, you're just, <laughs> and that teenager comes walking up to you after just borrowing the car and tells you that they hate you because you told them that they were out a few minutes too late. And you're like, really? Complicated. Sometimes God doesn't always solve your problems. God didn't solve Joseph's problem. <laughs> God complicated his life. Joseph went from having a baby out of wedlock, and he didn't understand how all that went down, to now being the parent of the Messiah. Here's something else you need to write down. Sometimes it's not about you. Sometimes it's not about you. Sometimes it's about what God is going to do through you for someone else. That child that is that complication because they're strong-willed, maybe what God is doing is going to do something amazing through them and that strong will. Because maybe that strong-willed child will run a business. Maybe that strong-willed child runs the country one of these days. I used to joke about one of my kids. I would say, well, he's either going to end up in jail or he's going to end up running the whole world. Sometimes it's not about you. Sometimes he walks out of the marriage and you didn't do anything wrong. Sometimes it's about him. Sometimes the cancer just comes and it's not about you. Maybe what God is doing in you is giving you an experience that you can't get any easy way. And therefore, what ends up happening is that you end up leading a ministry or a life group or celebrate recovery. And now all of a sudden, you're able to help so many people. And God is able to change the lives of so many people because you went through this incredibly difficult and painful experience. And it wasn't about you. It was about them. Sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Donna shaking your head up and down. She knows what that feels like. Sometimes it's not about you. So you need to stop and consider. You need to listen for God. Then you need to step out in faith. The end of the chapter, Matthew, of Matthew 1, 24, 25 says this. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Write this down. Your faith, my faith, will be proven when you trust God and obey even when it doesn't make sense. If you know you felt clearly from God that he's told you to do something and it is it consistent with the breadth and depth of Scripture. You need to do it. 
regardless of how easy or how hard it is. Because that's the moment whenever we talk about faith, we say that we have faith, but it's proven in those moments whenever we obey. What does that look like and how do we do that? It sounds simple, but it's really hard. You step out, you make one wise choice. Then you make one more. Because sometimes all you can see is one step in front of you. At the time, in Matthew, Joseph sees one right step. In fact, he's not even sure if it's the right step, but it's the step that God has given him, and so he knows it's the wise step. Have that baby. Marry that girl. In Matthew chapter 2, God gives him the next wise step. Get out of town with that new baby. And so Joseph does. And then God says, here's the next wise step. Go home. Joseph does. So we're going to stop and consider. We're going to listen for God. We're going to step out in faith. And then we're going to find out that God is good. We're going to find out that God provides. Matthew chapter 2 is a testimony to God providing over and over again to Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And God will provide for you. How do I know that? 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says this. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power and love and self-discipline. The spirit that God has placed inside of you, Christian, whenever you became a Christian, God not just loves you, he not just cares about you, he didn't just cleanse your sins, he actually lives inside of you. His spirit lives inside of you. And that spirit that's inside of you is not one that's based in fear. What that spirit is, is power and love and self-discipline. I want you to say that with me. Everybody say power. No, 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 you need to say it like God's spirit is actually in you. Why don't you say power, power. love, love. self-discipline. Right? We, <laughs> we all love the power. We all love love. Well, we want to turn the volume up on love. But whenever it comes time for the self-discipline, that's when we all are going to go self-discipline. That's the hard part, right? Watch this. Power, if it's not mixed with self-discipline, hurts people. Love, when it's not mixed with self-discipline, enslaves people. You or them. Love without boundaries enslaves them because it doesn't give them the ability and empowerment to be able to do on their own. And we all know what power looks like whenever it's not mixed with self-discipline. We've seen that in Washington, D.C. We see it in Tallahassee. We know what it looks like. Self-discipline is incredibly important because whenever you take self-discipline and team it with power and love, now you've got a machine and it's balanced. It's capable of doing amazing things. Here's the problem, though. If you're not a Christian, 
That spirit is not in you. And you need that spirit in you. So if you're not a Christian, what I want to do is I want to invite you to give up. <laughs> to make Jesus not just your Savior, but the Lord of your life, the boss of you, and invite his spirit into your life. So what we're going to do is we're going to say a prayer, and I'm going to ask everybody to repeat it after me so that way the person that's saying it for the first time get, doesn't get weirded out. But we're going to pray together. Everybody repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being perfect. I am not. I have messed up. And I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you for Jesus and his cross. Thank you for the power of the resurrection. It cleanses me. It gives me your spirit of power and love and self-discipline. I give myself to you now. Today and for every day. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you've said that prayer for the very first time, congratulations. You've made the best decision you will ever make. And understand something. The Spirit of God that lives inside of you now, right now, not waiting until later, not waiting until tomorrow or whenever you get baptized, right now is a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. You will be different now. And you will, at some point in time, need to be baptized and go public with that faith. And that's what we're gonna celebrate right now. I'm gonna pray and then I'm going to meet you out at the lawn to celebrate three, maybe four baptisms. Let me pray, and then I'll meet you out there in just a few minutes. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the example of Joseph, the righteous man who lived through an incredible situation. And though you didn't necessarily solve all the problems, God, you carried him through those problems and you provided for him and you provide for us. And so God, in the midst of the fear of uncertainty that we have as a congregation, as individual people, God, I pray that you would give us an extra helping, an extra dose of your spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And we will turn praise back to you and honor you with all that we are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.